And there you go. Looking good. So what we're going to do, because it's now 5.08, and I know that uh, other people might be getting on, so hopefully they'll be getting on. There won't be any interruptions or issues with that. Um, but we appreciate you being here and giving this a shot. But this is a real serious Bible study time. So uh, let's take advantage of that and uh, prepare to study together and look at the study of Luke. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and start with a word of prayer. Okay? Father, we just thank you for this time that you're... Uh, that you're with us here today, Lord. And Lord, we are just thankful that because we can gather together today as a church, we are doing so electronically. We just thank you for the medium to be able to do so. We just pray, Lord, that you just bless this time. Um, we just pray for everyone online here and those to come, that you'll just bless them for being dil- diligent as far as looking to your word and looking at what your word has to say. We thank you for the application. We thank you for your teaching We thank you for just giving us the desire to sit quietly and listen to you speak to us. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Looking good, everybody. Looking good. Um, Debbie, I don't know if you can see yourself or not, too. You're like in the corner. Um, I don't, I don't know how much more you want to be seated (laughs) visible. In the corner. She's like in the corner of the screen. That's, well, that's okay. We can see you. We know who you are. We know who you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, Walt. Hey. Hey there. Right on. Okay. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, it is actually 510 right now. We are in the book of Luke. Go to Luke chapter one. And I wanted to do a quick introduction as to what's going on with, I just lost my, my page turned. How did that happen? Here we go. Luke chapter one. Uh, we're going to cover like the first 20. What did I say earlier, Lynn? I can't even remember what 23. I said. 23 verses. Okay. 23, 24 verses. It's actually 25, but um, we'll start with Luke one and we'll see how far we get. But I wanted to just basically uh, do an account here. One thing that's important for us to see about this section of Luke Luke covers some things in this gospel that are not covered in the other gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, the, the one thing that uh, Luke does, and it's not necessarily in the order of what I say these things, but uh, only uh, in Matthew, along with Luke, does he cover the genealogy of Jesus. Um, but he covers John the Baptist's birth. He covers uh, Jesus's being, birth being foretold to Mary. He covers Mary's visits, Elizabeth, Elizabeth's praise of joy, Mary's praise of joy, and the birth of John the Baptist, uh, and also the angels announcing Christ's birth to the shepherds. That's all in Luke and in no other gospel other than the first thing I mentioned, the genealogy. So it's a, an important study because there's a lot of detail here that talks about the origins of Jesus on earth, as well as the origins of John the Baptist. And it's a it's an interesting account. Uh, Luke was one of those, uh, he was a doctor, which is referenced in Colossians 4, 14, um, a Greek. Of course, as I said, he was a Gentile and he was a close friend and companion of Paul. Um, and of course, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And if you look at L- this book and also the book of Acts, you see how well they, uh, mesh together as far as information is actually is reflecting Luke's style. He has a style of writing. And I don't know if anybody picks up on that when they read the Bible or not, and they look at different writing styles. But Luke's style in this book and also in the book of Acts is very similar. He is one of those guys that just puts down the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. You just like remember when you were in Dragnet? Right, just man. the facts, ma'am. Uh, that's exactly what Luke does. He just does the facts, okay? Um, so that's what we have to take into account when we look at this. So let's start by reading uh, Luke chapter one. And as you get questions, uh, please, you know, unmute your microphone and say so. We we are not rushing through anything here. This is a study that uh, certainly you can do on your own, but it's, it's really good if we can do it um, together. And we need to see how Luke, as a doctor, <laughs> Of course, what do doctors do? They are involved with giving birth, you know, taking care of births and, uh, 
uh, arranging to take care of mothers who are uh, who are pregnant. So, but he's giving an account now of something, including all the way through uh, to the end of G- uh, Jesus's life. But he is doing the purpose. Let's see what it says here. Uh, chapter one, verse one. Uh, I'm reading what version Bible is this? I picked up a Bible and I need to read what version this is, just for comparative sake. Uh, the NIV version. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who formed the first, who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Verse three, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So what is this passage saying here? He is gathering the account. He is trying to make sure he has an accurate account of the things that were handed down to us, because if you're familiar with how scripture comes about, yes, we we do go back to what it says in second Timothy about how the scripture is God breathed. It is for our purposes, for teaching, for correction, for rebuking. A lot of the scripture uh, even though it's inspired by God, was handed down. Um, stories were written or recorded and told and passed down from group to group. And that's something that's very important for us to see and remember. And so this is another account where, look what he says. He says that he is taking into account the things that have been fulfilled among us and it's handed down to us from eyewitnesses and servants. Eyewitnesses were the ones that gave the account. Someone recorded it. It was written and it was kept and passed on from person to person. Now, I have a brief comment about that, too, because I want to make sure that um, all of us are aware. And I've been kind of railing about this for the last few Sunday schools, not every time, but just just hearing different complaints. A lot of people are try to poke holes at the Bible and it, for whatever reason is being inauthentic because of the very reason that it was indeed handed down from person to person. And even though it is the inspired word of God, if man gets a hold of it, maybe there's some embellishment here. There's some communication there that isn't true. And I, my answer to that and always has been, well, now you're just basically uh, diminishing what God can really do and what God has done over the years to make sure that his word stands as truth. Uh, you're diminishing the power of God in your own statement without taking into account if it's God breathed, if it's inspired, then we have to trust that all that communication that was taking place from the, from the eyewitnesses to the scribes to who, who is being passed on to are giving an accurate account. And it's the accurate account that it may not be 100% exactly the way it's done through the different translations we've had. But the essence of the gospel has not changed. The essence of the gospel is the same. The information that's presented is sufficient for us to be able to proclaim the truth and the good news and stand on faith that this is the true gospel. Um, I don't know if anybody else has ever run across that before. We've run across people in churches who have tried to uh, embellish and use uh, the word for their own personal gain. And try to make things uh, look more, um, make, make them look good rather than just making than Jesus looking good. If you if you get my drift, um, that's that's something that we've seen uh, personally. Um, different little episodes uh, in different church visits, and you hear and see things, and you're like, hmm, that's not quite what I've heard before. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind here too. Um, does anyone have any questions or comments about that, or is that kind of understood? I'm with you, Sherry. I, you got coffee. I don't know if that's coffee or not or tea, but I, I, I have I have Gatorade right now. That's not that's okay, I guess. Uh, it's not coffee though. <laughs> um, any questions or comments so far? Okay. Well, I just left a message. Just my three cents. That's all it's worth. But uh, that's what I. That's my interpretation of it. Let's continue in the reading. Uh, verse five. Now, this is where we start getting into the actual material that was being written to Theophilus, as as, uh, as Luke puts it. 
Verse 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. That's important for us to see, too, a descendant of Aaron. Who's Aaron? Aaron was one of the people that was with Moses. Um, So we need to keep that in mind, too. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Verse 8, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and, turn the page, a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will be, will he, will he bring back to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord to the spirit in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Um, now before we go on to Zechariah's uh, response. Can you imagine you're in the temple and you're putting, <laughs> you're putting an incense and all of a sudden this angel appears to you. And if you remember the accounts, uh, back in the day, uh, if anybody saw anything like that, they, they were gripped with fear and there was all kinds of difficulty. And you got to be just frozen. Uh, there's not much you can do except be frozen and, and just kind of hear what's being said. And, um, uh, I don't know. I see, I see Bev, Bev Parkman. She's, uh, <laughs> she's, she's getting situated there. Um, th- this is an account that I've read before, but you notice that Gabriel's doing a lot of talking here. Uh, and, and he has a lot to say about who this child is. And remember, they weren't able to have children. And so now all of a sudden they're going to have children. So Zechariah in verse 18 says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. It's like, dang, man, I just, I just asked a question and now I can't speak for a while (laughs) (laughs) until this happens. Because it's a, it's a legitimate question. It's like, how is this going to happen? Um, but I guess Gabriel is, is acting upon, you know, the, what the Lord had told him to say to Zachariah. And, uh, he must have obviously known that Zachariah is going to ask that question. So this is actually just going to create a further testimony for what's going to take place in the future. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had been, had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Mm -hmm. Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, there's a lot that happens here in this first section. So when you look at this section, um, I'm going to ask uh, the floor any comments or questions about what you believe was being experienced by both Zechariah and by Elizabeth. What do you think is taking place here? A miracle for one. A miracle. Mm-hmm. That's right. Building their faith. 
That's right. And remember, they were already upright, right? They were upright people. They were already mm-hmm. doing and being obedient to the Lord. And, um, and of course, when we're talking about getting pregnant at an uh, elderly age, okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. So we got, we got a couple on the line here, not right now in Las Vegas. Nate Marnell, if something like this were to happen to you and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what, what do you think? How do you think you guys would react to something like this if all of a sudden? <laughs> CPR. CPR, yeah. Yeah. I would certainly cry. That's for sure. Oh, you would cry, huh? <laughs> it would definitely be a miracle for sure. <laughs> I see. That's a fact. <laughs> okay. Well, we don't need to get into details why, but we kind of figured it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. It would be uh, a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you see the point here. This is, this is extraordinary. This is what Pearl is saying. This is an extraordinary thing to happen yeah. for people who are beyond childbearing years as we understand it you know i know there's there have been people around these extraordinary examples where a woman was 60 or something and gave birth to a child or whatever i've i've that's like one in a 10 billion you know what i mean it's not it's not going to happen very often and you know doctors have advised a lot of women that giving uh, having childbirth or, or giving it, having childbirth uh, is usually something that you don't like to do once you get into your upper 40s. I know mm-hmm. that it has happened. And for very healthy yes. women, it does work, but mm-hmm. you see the difference here. I mean, that, you know, Elizabeth was twice that age, mm-hmm. and here she is. And I notice the one thing she says at the end here, too. Mm-hmm. He has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What's the disgrace? What was the disgrace back then when it came to women? Bearing children. Bearing children. That that was a, that was a big deal back then. It was a huge deal. And there were many women who just felt like they just didn't belong or were not able to do, able to make a contribution to extending the family tree uh, because they just couldn't give, uh, give birth to children. So this was a huge thing. And it was something that was done that um, we can only know the mindset of Elizabeth going year after year after year, trying to get pregnant and not being able to. And that's something that's a big deal today as well, too. We, we know that very well. Uh, we've seen that. Okay. So now how about Zechariah? Uh, you, you already said CPR. Uh, he needed CPR. He would... It, it, um, remember Zechariah, um, faithful to one woman, just being with Elizabeth and not able to have any children. And, uh, you can't help but think that, you know, maybe there was even a little bit of resentment because he couldn't have children and yet mm-hmm. he still remained faithful. Um, these are all not reaches. These are all based upon human emotions. Everybody, mm-hmm. we always have to keep in mind that we're talking about human beings in scripture. We're not talking about people who are superhuman. We're not talking about people who are uh, in any way, um, have, have more together than the average human being because they're human beings. They, they have the same emotions and feelings we do. And Zechariah couldn't believe what Gabriel was telling him. And, but so yet Gabriel, but, you know, kind of made an example of Zechariah say, well, since you don't believe it, uh, you're not going to speak for the next few months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's shocking i know are you muted lynn you're it oh no you're okay i cannot through the headphones no maybe your headphone because is your headphones are they are you plugged all the way in i'm muted because the dogs are roaring oh that's okay you can all right default microphone yeah. Okay. Now can you hear me? Yes, yeah. I can. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, in contrast, I noted the, the first thing that struck me about the, Zachariah's response is Mary also was given unbelievable news and she responded as well to the angel. And she said, let it be to me as you have said. She was incredulous about the whole thing, but she still responded in faith. And to the naked eye, it doesn't really look like Zachariah did really anything that much different. 
he also said, how can this be for I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. So it's, it's an interesting response for him to be kind of picked out. And the only thing I can go back to is the fact that Mary was a young girl without a lot of training. Zachariah was a man in the temple who was supposed to have a lot of training. And yet his response to a miracle was kind of like, are you sure about this? And yet the young girl who had very little training was like, okay, if you say so, it, it, let it be that way. I don't know if that's something or nothing, but it's just an interest. It's interesting how two people got this unbelievable news that was going to be a miracle. And one basically was, you know, the angel was gentle with, and the other one just said, you're out until the kid gets here. Mm-hmm. Very good. Anyone else? I thought he said, I am man, hear me roar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about, you're talking about, uh, Zachariah. Zachariah. I am man, hear me roar. Okay. Well, you didn't say that, that when he got muted, he couldn't say that though. No, he didn't. That's right. We have several angel reactions. You also think of Sarah and Abraham when they were told they were going to have a baby after they were up to almost a hundred and Sarah laughs and they say, you know, you laughed. And she goes, I didn't laugh. He says, oh, but you did laugh. So it's it's almost like the response is based on the person Mm -hmm. and where they are in their walk with God. It's like, if you should know better, God may be a little tougher on you than if you're kind of new to the whole thing. And if you're just being fearful, he'll let you know, hey, you're just being fearful about this. But no, of those three examples, there was no response that was the same from the point of God's response to these people back after they said, what do you mean me? Okay. Very good. Melvin. Yes. I'm looking at verse 13 where it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Yep. Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. So, he had been praying for this for quite some time for his okay. prayer to be heard. So he didn't have faith that his prayer would be heard. So that's, that's what the angel was looking at. That's ex- that's an excellent point. Good point. Good point. Excellent point. I missed that. You're absolutely right. He had prayed mm-hmm. for it. He had been asking the Lord to, to get a son. And at the moment when he was being told he was going to have a son, it was like, who me? Because that's exactly what he did. He's like, who me? Are you, are you talking to me? Um, Jesus, you know, because he's asked for this for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. makes sense too when you think, because Mary didn't ask to be pregnant with the Savior. So they didn't, he didn't, she didn't get pounced on for not believing it. And Sarah and Abraham were in a juncture in their lives where they were still getting used to that idea of being that old and needing to have a son that God had promised. That's why Sarah kind of came down on Sarah's like, I told you you were going to have a son. You needed to wait on on me coming to you and saying, now's the time. But they were still, I mean, that's all the way back in the Old Testament as opposed to now these people have had example after example. And Zechariah is a man of God would have known the Old Testament, should have known the story of Sarah and Abraham. So therefore he kind of got the ultimate accountability for not having the faith. Okay, very good. Excellent observation. So, so go, ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, somebody else was talking or not. Anybody else have any comments there? No, I just said more responsibility. Yes. He was more knowledgeable and, and the responsibility was a little bit more weightier. Like yep. Like said. Accountability. Mm-hmm. Let's well, look let's at look at another reaction. Um, since we're talking about reactions to Gabriel, Gabriel is busy here uh, in this first section. Let's go to verse 26. Um, in, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, uh, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Uh, again, this is the only account in the Gospels of this. Uh, there's no other. This is the only section where you can read this or find this. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Okay, 29, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now look at this. Look at verse 34. How will this be? Mary said to the angel, since I am a virgin. Good question. Um, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now look at the response. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now what's the difference between Mary's response to what Gabriel said and Zachariah's response? Is there a difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a difference. What do you think that is? Mary didn't know what, you know, she didn't have the training that Zacharias had. She had no training as to what was going to happen in birth or getting pregnant or anything else. She just mm-hmm. asked the simple questions. Yeah. Yeah. There was no such thing as a virgin birth. <laughs> okay. So she was asking a legitimate question based upon the fact that she knew that no man had touched her. Mm-hmm. And by her understanding, she's going by the fact that, well, hey, in order to get pregnant, someone has to touch me uh, in mm-hmm. such a way. So, And so that's why Gabriel answered the question the way he did. The, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one overshadowing you. Um, I, I'm sure there's a Greek word in there about overshadowing um, that – it's NIV here, and I'm not, I don't have the Greek handy to that, but, um, that might be something we can look at. But there, that's essentially what happened here. It's a description, a descriptive of what was going to happen. Um, and the fact that Elizabeth was even being mentioned here to give reinforcement to what Mary was going to go through was pretty important for her to see that God was in the midst of all of this. God made, uh, Elizabeth, God Elizabeth, uh, Allow her to get pregnant, and of course it was through Zechariah, um, and had to make her unbarren to allow for that to happen. And so that in itself was a miracle as well, too. All these miracles were taking place uh, to show the legitimacy of what Gabriel was saying and of what God was going to do. So I love, and I love that verse, for nothing is impossible with God. That might be a memory verse. That's just verse 37 all by itself, for nothing is impossible with God. Um, the Ohio state motto, uh, state of Ohio's motto is, with God, all things are possible. I don't know if anybody knows that or not, but that's exactly mm-hmm. what the state motto is. That's, it's pulling directly from this reference here. And I love Mary's response. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. And of course, she was greatly troubled with the words. It doesn't say that she was terrified uh it it just says that hey you know gabriel just shows up from nowhere and it's like okay so it's interesting to see the different responses now this is the written account we don't really know if uh mary jumped out of her shoes or anything as to what happened but that's this is the account that we have to look at i would think that she was um it was beating probably pretty fast. And, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is what astounds me is after the question is answered, her faith went in and she just was sold out. Yes. I'm in. I'm, I'm, I have complete buy-in in what you're saying. Exactly. Very good. Whereas Zechariah didn't have complete buy-in. And Zacharias supposedly knew more, uh, knew better. Is that a fair comment? He was like saying, "That is my upset." I don't know. Anyone else? Everyone's thinking at the same time. <laughs> all squares are going to line up all at once. No. <laughs> I don't think so. 
No. <laughs> okay, no, I guess not. That's okay. Um, okay. So those are the accounts, and, and we see that Gabriel, again, is dealing with the different individuals, and and there are different responses here, and it's something we need to see here. So um, so if we look at Zechariah real quick, just as a quick recap here, because I actually have a section here that actually talks about that um, Jewish priest and his strengths. He was a righteous man, was a priest before God, one of the few people to be directly addressed by an angel. I didn't think about that. Um, not everybody gets an angel to talk to him. Uh, that's pretty important too. Um, and he, of course, was the father of John the Baptist. His weakness and his mistake was momentarily doubting the angel's promise of a son because of his own old age. He was looking at his own age. I, I, I gotta cut him a little bit of slack too. You know, just like Thomas, one of the disciples was always, you know, we always refer to doubting Thomas, which I think was a kind of a, I think Thomas is getting a short shrift here because Thomas is a lot like a lot of us. Uh, when we talk about his dealings with Jesus, he wanted to see truth. He wanted to see evidence of it. He wanted to see um, the wounds on Jesus's body before he would actually believe something. Uh, well, a lot of us are like that. We sometimes need to see evidence of something. Um, but it's not because uh, he was looking for Jesus to do anything really more than what he had done, but just because he wanted to have evidence to support his own faith. Uh, and I think in this particular case here, I think Zechariah was struggling because he was an old man. Uh, he couldn't, you know, after all this time of him trying to have a baby, he couldn't have one. And he wasn't sure that he was going to have one, even though Gabriel had told him. But nonetheless, um, he didn't believe it. So that's why he was mute until the time when God had to loosen his mouth and allow him to be able to say, well, he had to write it down on a piece of paper. His name is John. I remember that as we get further up into to the passage here. Mm-hmm. That's when I kind of agree with you, Anna. Was when Joannes was talking about it, he is a man of God mm-hmm. and he has very high position and he's mm-hmm. supposed to be in constant prayer and mm-hmm. communication yep. to the Lord. Yep. And if this was his heartfelt prayer, when the angel came, and told him, I would think that there would have been a joy instead of doubt. I agree. <laughs> and so I think that because his prayers went void, mm-hmm. because he didn't communicate in the manner he should have to God, mm-hmm. that God decided to silence him. Sure. Because his prayers were for not. Okay. When he was granted this. That That's kind of how I felt about it. Sure. I'm reading something in comparison, comparing the exact two responses like above and below each other from the NIV. It says, Zachariah said to ask the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. When it gets to Mary, she says, how will this be? Not how can I be sure? Mm-hmm. So I think for people that are, was it really doubt or where they both seem to ask the same question? Is that that's the subtle difference? He was like, how can I be sure of this? And she's like, how can this be? more from the mechanics standpoint of how in the world could I be pregnant when I've never had relations with anybody. Does that help? Well, she was a virgin. That's something she should have come off the wall, actually. <laughs> but the thing is, she asked, she answered and asked appropriately to the angel. And because of her faith in God, she accepted it. Because his words were true. Zachariah, I'm not sure. I'm not against what he said. I just feel that perhaps God felt that he wasn't sincere, really, about his prayer and the responsibility of a child. I don't know. I don't think any of us say something. I'm sorry. So that's kind of how I feel. Mm -hmm. Joanna, you trying to say something? Was Mary praying? To be pregnant? No. She wasn't. No. no, she wasn't. No. No. I think, here's what I think. I think that Zach, God knew exactly who Zechariah was. And I really believe that he used that as an opportunity to uh, see what Zechariah's response was going to be when Gabriel spoke to him about it, knowing that he had been praying about it for how many years? I mean, years and years. 
And so that does mean something. But I really also believe that as time went along, when we saw when Zechariah was not unable to speak, people were paying attention to Zechariah. They were looking at him. They know that he had seen something. Uh, that was also mentioned, too. And so they also knew that God was present in this whole conversation. And so when he was finally able to speak and give praise to the Lord for what was happening, because remember, they're going to name the baby, what, Zechariah. They're going to name all kinds of things. He couldn't speak. <laughs> so they went to him and he wrote it down. His name is John. And that's when he was able to speak and give praise to the Lord. Uh, that was something that Gabriel had told him what his name was going to be. His name is John. Um, which was outside of what the family had, you know, it was tradition to name someone, someone's name in the family. That's how things were carried on within family names. Um, and we're dealing with human beings, everybody. That's, that's exactly why I said what I said earlier. We're dealing with people who are human. You're going to make, you're, not everyone's going to respond in the same way, but yes, there will be accountability as far as how you respond to based upon what? Your knowledge, what you were called to do. Zechariah was a priest. So he had that responsibility as a priest. He's supposed to know uh, that, look, if you have a close relationship with the Lord, he is going to answer prayer. And don't be like, what, me? Who, me? Oh, yeah, you. If you, uh, He answered your prayer and you had a response that was kind of like, well, you've been praying all this time. What did you want? So I think that that's important for us to see, too. You know what? When you just said that, Mel, it made me think uh, you're leading the people. Mm-hmm. And so the word hypocritical kind of hit my mind. Yeah. You know, you're leading the people, you're giving the word. And, and you know, mm-hmm. so isn't that so like us sometimes, though? Mm-hmm. Um, we we can be a bit of, of that. Uh, we've been asking or bugging God for something. And then, you know, when he decides to allow it, we, whoa, you know, we like caught all off guard. Like yeah. <laughs> many have said, he had been praying for it. He's mm-hmm. representing, he's man mm-hmm. of the cloth. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he's just floored that this, this happened. <laughs> what, what does that tell you about answers to prayer too? You can pray for something for years and years and years and years. Uh, be it the salvation of somebody. And so what's going to happen when that time comes? And God answers the prayer. Are you going to be ready to say praise the Lord? Are you going to be like, whoo? Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's real. Yeah. But you should be saying Yahoo, right? And praise the Lord and everything else. But not everybody responds the same way. So, you know, we're not, we're not really trying to throw Zacharias under the bus here. We're just trying to, Zachariah under the bus. We're just trying to kind of say that we're all human beings. We have different responses. Um, yes. So was it a punishment for Zachariah or was it just being made to be quiet so that he could think and meditate on? It's a great question. No. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I don't think it was a punishment. I think it was a way for God to speak to Zechariah right now about his own faith. And it was just, an, it was a public thing now that he couldn't speak. So they know that before he went into the temple to burn the incense, he could speak and just like everybody else. All of a sudden he comes out, I can't, I can't say anything. He's doing all kinds of gestures and stuff like that. And the first thing the people thought was that if he was in the temple, he saw something. Something happened to him. And so as time went along, remember Elizabeth went in hiding for five months, which was also interesting too. Why do you think she went in hiding? Because she, she had to know what was going on, you know, after Zechariah, you know, came home and talked to her and, well, not didn't talk to her, but did gestures. <laughs> that whole dynamic is interesting. The more I think about that, that's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, you come home to your wife, you can't say anything. But then now you get her pregnant and now she's, she finds out, uh oh, whatever happened to him, he's pregnant. I'm finally, I'm finally pregnant. I'm going to have a child. You understand what I'm saying here? He comes home. He can't speak. He can't tell her what he ran into in the temple. So she, he comes home. He can't speak. And it was only after that that she was with child. After all that time. 
it also shows her faith because she didn't start asking a bunch of questions. She just said, the Lord has done for me in these days mm-hmm. when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. She didn't question it. She just thanked God for the fact that I'm finally not barren anymore. Yeah. So she responds in faith. And she had to be faith because it wasn't like Zachariah said, I asked questions about this crazy thing this angel told me. And then he told me I couldn't talk. He's gesturing. Yeah. And they, yeah. he never told anybody else because he couldn't tell them when he came out of the temple. So she had to go totally on all I know is I'm pregnant and God's responsible for it. And it's taking away my reproach. And it's from him. She didn't say, I don't know how I got pregnant or who allowed it. She says the Lord. So. It's like her exhibiting, everybody exhibited faith in this without doubt, except for Zachariah. So Sherry, to answer your question, was it a punishment? I don't think so, but it was a testimony because now everybody that he came in contact with was responding in kind that God was doing something. Especially Elizabeth saying, hey, I was, I've been barren for 50 years, 60 years, 70 70 years, a long time. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he comes home, he can't speak, and now I'm pregnant. If you look at it, for what it is, I had not really thought about it like that before. It's like, oh, it's like, what's going on here? Oh, well, if the people knew that something was going on yeah. in the temple. Yes. That's an important place. Yes, it is. That is a place where, I, I, I don't know the history back there, but it's like God almost, God dwells in there. Yeah. And if he had been praying all that time, I don't mean to punish him, but I just keep hearing, uh, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Because how many of us would have an angel standing before us to answer our prayers? Man. You know, not many. Nope. But just be careful what you ask for and be true to yourself and to God. So uh, for the lesson for the for the uh, ladies here, uh, for Marnell, for Pearl, and uh, for Lynn, if your husband comes home and can't speak um, after being able to speak for so long now, then you need to watch out uh, because something may happen. Uh, <laughs> I take no responsibility for the content just shared with everybody here. I am so sorry. That's I'm sorry. We're going to be watching you. It's just pretty serious. I'm not going to go any further than that. So, That's fine. well, all right. Well, we know that whatever God does, He has a purpose. Thank you. For what he's for what he's for what he's doing. Yes, you know, and because as we see that, uh, especially when everybody was asking Elizabeth at that time, you know, what they were going to name the son. Yeah, and she said, John. Well, obviously, that uh, because they expected them to uh, name him Zachariah Junior. Yes, probably and. But then yet, here you have Zachariah, can't speak, you know, they something's going on. Mm-hmm. But then yet, when they ask him about naming his son, and he said, John, okay, well, here, we wasn't, he wasn't able to speak, but now he's able to speak. Well, he wrote. He wrote, he wrote right. down John. He wrote it down. And then that's when he was able to speak. He wrote, he had to, and he had to communicate with Elizabeth that way the entire time while yes. she was pregnant. It, there was, you know, I, I don't know if sign language was not in effect, basically. They had to, he had to write down stuff so that she would know, she would know that the name was John as well, too. Yes. It had to be communicated before that exercise took place. So. And Mel, could that, could that have been, uh, a final, uh, test too? God gave him the name, closed yes. his mouth, and then to see if he was going to follow even through with that. With the name. Mm-hmm. With the name. Yes. Because yeah. he was immediately released. Yes. After mm-hmm. he wrote that name down. Yes. Well, Gabriel told him it was going to be until the time occurred when finally uh, the baby was born, I believe it was, right? It was, um, go back, go back, go back. Let's make okay. sure. 
Uh, we'll be able to speak until these things take place. These things take place. Okay. So that time was set. That was a set time. Um, and so I, I, I believe that Zechariah was being used as a way for him to aid to build his faith and even get in a stronger relationship with the Lord over the process and also to be as a testimony before others as they witness the lives of a priest, Zechariah and his wife, uh, who was pregnant. It's like, whoa, uh, you don't have uh, uh, women who are in their 90s and 80s and 90s getting pregnant. Um, that's just something that just doesn't happen very often. So that was a testimony in itself, too. So um, I hope that answers your question. That's just... Uh, that's kind of where I'm taking it. Uh, I think that did, did Zechariah need God to speak to him or deal with him at this point? Absolutely. Um, he was gentle in dealing with Zechariah. Uh, when there was a lack of faith, he was gentle. That was a gentle way of dealing with him. You've been praying for all this time and you should know better. And so therefore, <laughs> doubted, uh, you're going to have to deal with this right now and truly see that I am God. I am the Lord. And sometimes God has to deal with all of us that way too, where we need to step back, take a step back and see that he in fact is the Lord. Okay. Um, Beverly Parkman, I know that was gentle. <laughs> well, yeah, it, yeah, it was gentle because look at Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. They met one more step in We have examples. Hi, Bev. I see you now. <laughs> I saw the ceiling fan earlier. That's why I said that. So. Um, okay. Yeah. But so he, I, I'm saying gentle. I, no, I would not want to lose my sight, my, my voice. Let's, let's put it that way. That would not be a, that wouldn't be a very good thing. Um, for me personally, I don't think I would handle that very well myself, but at the same time, the expectations were higher for Zachariah. So he had to, had to pay attention to that. Okay. We have about Anybody else? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I Make one quick mention. And I was just, we're just going through just the things that I could bring to memory of all the different encounters with angels and people and their responses. It might be worth making a chart and just looking at it, just a little personal side study. When you think of like Sarah's response to the angels when they she was told she was going to be pregnant. And I can't, I think it's Balaam and the donkey when the donkey starts talking to him. (laughs) And he basically doesn't even don, it doesn't, most of us be like, there's a donkey talking to me. He doesn't even get into that. He starts talking to the donkey like it's a viable conversation. So that was a response to an angel. Then of course, Zachariah, Mary, and I'm sure there's others. I've just got to go back and look, but it's just, it's interesting to me that it's like you have this one thing over here that says communication from God. And then you point to these people and then you have all these different responses. You have faith, you have doubt, you have super faith when you think about Balaam and the donkey because he just, he jogged right past the fact that the animal was talking to him and went into a discussion with him about all these different things that were going on. Israel got into, Jacob got into the wrestling match with an angel and ended up lame in the hip. So it's, it's God trying to reach out and communicate with people and how do they respond? And it's just, just making a chart of it just to see what are, what are the different ways people act when God actually reaches out and speaks to them one on one. Just a thought. It could be a very interesting little side study. Agreed. Especially when the donkey is speaking. Yeah, the, the Balaam is speaking to the donkey. I actually, uh, talked about that a while ago. And, uh, why are you not weirded out when a donkey is talking to you? <laughs> Really? I mean, it's, there's something you don't see every day. But, but Balaam was so weird. He was weirded out. He was just very weird. He was had, he had a weird relationship with the Lord and he wasn't being obedient to him. And so you kind of see where he was uh, dealing with all kinds of issues. And so his response, um, it was unorthodox, but look at who he was. Uh, he had a really hard time apparently being obedient to God. Okay. Um, I can, uh, I can get into, let me, let's read this last section here before we get to Mary's song of praise just to have that and we will be picking up next time we get together. 
where Mary visits Elizabeth, because that's what was discussed when Gabriel told Mary um, that Elizabeth was also pregnant. So it says in verse 39 of Luke 1, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to that. In a loud voice, she explained, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Um, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Now, note, Mary had not said anything from what we can tell here to Elizabeth about why she was visiting. But the Spirit gave her this information that she could relay and just explain. And remember what Gabriel said, that John would be possessed with the Holy Spirit even at birth or before birth. The baby leaping in her womb was what? The Spirit. Spirit was giving, taking control of even John uh, in his during his pregnancy, during the time when he was in, in Elizabeth. So the Holy Spirit is working through all of these people at this time and is being very apparent. And I love that comment. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Now, was it obvious that Mary, it says child you will bear, was Mary, Mary wasn't showing yet. Is that accurate? This is around that same time after Gabriel spoke to uh, Mary. She wasn't showing that she was pregnant, but Elizabeth was coming back and saying, the child you will bear. Now, I, as you read this passage and you look at this stuff here, you, you want to take this stuff into account. It's The Spirit has to be communicating this stuff because how is Elizabeth going to know that Mary is pregnant mm-hmm. or going to be pregnant? Well, I don't see it. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm telling, I'm saying it's the spirit who's communicating all this information. And that's what's being said because it says at that time, it literally is right after Gabriel has the visit with Mary. And that's when, when she went immediately and hurried over to Judea to see Elizabeth. So Elizabeth was, Mary was just believing what the what Gabriel had told her and just wanted to go and see for herself. Already six months. Uh, that's what Gabriel said. She's six months. So she's showing. She's showing and she's pregnant. That she is pregnant. So everybody get that? Make perfect sense? Yeah. Okay. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And so that, that gives all the credit in the world to Mary for just believing, mm-hmm. believing what she was told, believing that yes, the, the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow her, believing that she as a virgin was going to give birth to Jesus. Okay. That's a good stopping point. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That was just me then. That's just echoing. Okay. Um, that's a good stopping point for us as far as picking up next time where we can go back to go to look at Mary's song of praise. Um, but that's a good first uh, coverage of Luke chapter one, at least this portion of Luke chapter one. Luke, Luke is there's there's 80 verses in chapter one. There's a lot to cover there. <laughs> so it's a good starting point. Um, feel free to obviously read ahead as we look at this study. It, there's a lot of richness in this these passages because these accounts that we're seeing once again are not in any other gospel. It's only in this gospel. Mm-hmm. So this the account that's being given here. Uh, the information being conveyed is something that uh, Luke felt was very important to capture. Uh, and I agree. I think it is important to capture this, too. We we need to see Jesus um, according to the plan that God had for him, uh, the plan for John the Baptist as well, too, and how important it was for these natural order to take place for these people to be involved in that process of communicating and bringing people to 
faith in faith in the Lord. And that's what this was all about here. Um, so if you're reading ahead, you want to go from verse 46 all the way out to 80. Yeah, I think so. That'll bring you to the end of chapter one, but that gives you, let's see, 40. There's a lot that happens in that section between verses 46 and 82, everybody, just like what we just read. You get Mary's song of praise. You get the birth of John the Baptist. You get Zachariah's prophecy. Those are the three sub chapter headings in there. So that might be, that'll give you, if you want to read ahead and think of questions you may have, that'd be a good place to read 45 to 80. Yes. And you've got a whole month to do it, so. Yes. A whole month. Wow. <laughs> so if you, so next month at the, on the fourth Sunday, you'll be like, dang, I forgot to read. Well, <laughs> can't help you with that one. Maybe, maybe not. Dang, man. Forgot to read. Now there's plenty to, this is material we've seen before, but it, I think it's good to read ahead. I love the richness of this. That's why I chose Luke to start our studies. I love the richness of this. It's important for us to see this whole history that was being given to us, for us to see this how God had planned this whole thing out and what he had done in the process, too, to reach people uh, who were faithful to him. Frankly, that's what we're talking about here. And we know this is a big deal in the upcoming because Zechariah is going to speak. His mouth will be loose and he'll be able to speak as well, too. Okay. So with that in mind, uh, are there any questions or comments? Is 5 o'clock a good time for this study is what I was going to ask for uh, the fourth Sunday. I, I think 5 o'clock is a good time. I know that it's either just after or just before dinner for some people. I'm thinking that's a good time for all of us. And it's for one Sunday. Um, and, you know, for those of you who weren't who were on the call with us uh on Friday doing the test, uh, you know, some people are saying their bedtime is like eight o'clock. I'm like saying, Oof. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. That's my bedtime. What's up, Ronnie? Who, whose bedtime is eight o'clock? Well, that was Ronnie. Oh, that's Ronnie. Ronnie. Ronnie, your bedtime is eight o'clock. No, that's Deb. Oh, that's Deb? Oh, Deb, your bedtime is eight o'clock. Gotcha. So five o'clock is good with everybody. Five o'clock then. Yes. Five yes. o'clock wins. <laughs> so why didn't y'all say something all those years when, when Gus was talking about six o'clock meeting after church? Y'all just, just let him just do that to you. And all of a sudden he's like, Oh, yeah, I got <laughs> I thought we did five o'clock before. I know it's been a year, but I'm pretty sure cell group was five o'clock. No, five, no, no cell group was six o'clock, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, All right. Deb is so. saying, Beverly, it was six o'clock or five o'clock. See, I can't remember now. It was five? It was five. I thought it was five. It was five. It was five o'clock? Yes. Well, five o'clock it is. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody has, if we do this for a couple of months and everybody finds out, you know what, that's kind of hitting this time or that time, let us know we can always adjust it. Yeah. Agreed. For those that are willing to come and do this. Okay. But we had a good start. This is excellent. Thank you all for being with us. We we know what we're studying. We know what we're looking at. Um, please read ahead if you have any questions about anything. Uh, I'm not going to take tests. I'm not going <laughs> to test you. Um, if I throw something in there to test you, then you'll be prepared for it, I'm sure, anyway. It doesn't matter. But um, And it's the third week of every month. We can send the Zoom link to you in an email. We can also list the, what the study will cover that month. I'll give you a full week ahead, remind you of where we are, and you'll have it all in one place, the link and the study notes. So you'll have that to go on. Sound good? Yes. First Bible study ever done uh, going from different time zones. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Nate and Marnell. <laughs> good stuff. It's early for y'all. Y'all can get outside. <laughs> We're gonna pull the shades here. I don't know where. I don't know. Uh, it's a good time. <laughs> well, well, thank you all for being here today. Uh, God bless you all. Thanks for being here. We are gonna try and keep this thing up. The Pastor Gus and I are very convicted, and I'm gonna sign off and pray as well too. Pastor Gus and I are very convicted about being in the Word and staying in the Word. It's really, yeah. really important for us to stay focused on what the Word is saying. And because even if you read a passage like this, where you've been reading it before, you still can learn some things. 
Absolutely. It's an excellent discussion in Bible study. So I appreciate that very much. Let's, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you and give you all the praise, Lord, for all that you have done and all you continue to do. And Lord, we pray that uh, this time that we use is beneficial. That the spirit is truly speaking and we enjoy the camaraderie and the fellowship nonetheless. And we pray that more people can join us as well too. We thank you for this provision that you've given to us to be able to get together in Bible study. And Lord, we just thank you for the reminder of the importance of gathering together and doing so. So it's just to keep up the momentum that we are fellowshipping together as a body, as a nation, as a church. We thank you for your presence today. Bless us and keep us, O oh Lord. And we thank you and give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. God bless you all. Fantastic time. Bye. All looking beautiful, too. <laughs> Take care of yourselves, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. We'll see you. Take care. Bye.